word of God encourage our hearts. Good morning. Why don't you say to the person, your neighbor, he said, uh, you are in the right place today. Yeah. Or you turn to the other person on the other side and say, you're going to receive power today. Yeah, are you ready for it? Amen? Yeah, praise the Lord. So good to see all of you here this morning, those online as well. You know, we have been on the team of worship. What an incredible team, isn't it? You know, where uh, it's not that we need to be reminded of worshiping God, but every once in a while, you know, we just want to focus on what is really we all coming here to church for. And that is to worship God, right? Yeah. Uh, of course, you come also to meet your friends you know, and uh, connect. Uh, but you know, it's about connecting with God that is a priority for us every Sunday. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, good. Uh, how many of you like history of China? Yeah. China, huh? I'm not talking about Chinese, but China. Yeah. Ah, a few of you hands. Okay, good. You may be able to uh, identify with me when I tell you this story. In my early days, secondary school days in Singapore, uh, history is more interesting than I heard what is available in Malaysia. Okay, I'm not very loyal to Malaysia now today. We just finished uh, Malaysia Day yesterday. You know, this morning, actually, a thought came into my mind that I should wear batik. And then when I came, you know, I didn't wear batik. Then when I came, I saw the worship team all in their uh, so-called, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, traditional, yeah, dress. I say, I, yeah, I should have, should have listened to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and come in batik. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyway, uh, when I was doing history in Singapore, they studied about history of China. So I really love the history, you know, and uh, history is my, one of my top subjects in school. And so, instead of maths. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so China history, there was one story, you, uh, some of you may know, it's talk about the Battle of Red Cliffs. Battle of Red Cliffs. This happened during about the Han Dynasty. I see one head nodding, so you know the story, yeah? Uh, so, this battle of yeah, <laughs> up there. Um, so it's about the, 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 towards the end of the Han Dynasty, okay? So there was three, they, the, in China there was a lot of warlords, so to speak. So one of the warlords, his name is Chao Chao, okay? Chao Chao, and he's from the north, and he one day he decided, I want to unite China, and so, but to, to unite China, I need to conquer down south, you know, from the Yangtze River down south. So he wanted to attack you know, those warlords in uh, down south, and there were two other warlords, uh, by the way, Sun Quan and Liu Pei. Okay, so, cut a long story short, they met at this place, uh, it's called the Red Cliffs. And so, Chao Chao came with a very huge army. At something that between, history couldn't really tell, between 222,000 soldiers to 800,000 soldiers, so about this range. But Liu Pei and Sun Quan, they only have about 50,000 soldiers, vastly outnumbered. And what happens also, Chao Chao has thousands of ships, naval ships, and so they gather at this place, you know, the Yangtze River, Red Cliff, and people would think that, you know, this is a foregone battle. Alright, surely Chao Chao will win. But what happened was, now, Chao Chao's soldiers were all encamped inside in the ships, not on land. So to keep the ships all stable, 
Uh, because otherwise you have all the sea sickness accounting. Uh, so he tied up all his ships. Imagine, imagine uh, thousands of ships. He tied them up so that he gives some sort of stability. So the soldiers will not be feeling you know, all the sea sickness kind of thing. So these two warlords, Sun Quan and Liu Pei, whatever, ah, they came up with a plan. So they say one of the generals decided to say, I'm going to surrender to you. One of their generals said, I'm going to surrender to you and I'm going to come with some of my ships. Okay, so what happened is, they, instead of putting soldiers in the ship, instead of uh, uh, defecting to the Chow Chow's army, they put in oil, you know, and something that's flammable inside the ship. And so, when the ship came, blow, blown by the wind, and they came and they crashed into Chow Chow's naval ships, and what happened was, fire broke out. And when fire broke out, imagine all the ships are all tied up. How to escape? So Chow Chow's army was totally defeated, gone. So this is what happened is, because he couldn't uh, conquer the south, so he came up with the, the three kingdoms. Uh, three kingdoms, this is the period of the three kingdoms. Now why am I, why am I telling you China history? <laughs> A similar incident also played out in the Bible. Alright, so let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 to 30. It's a bit long passage. I'm gonna read, I'm not gonna read everything. It's not out on the screen. Alright, so that's why Pastor Francis said, Do you bring a Bible? So today you have to use your Bible. Okay? Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 to 30. So here is a story of Jehoshaphat. And the Israelites, and they themselves also found themselves in a similar precarious situation. Right? The Moabites and the Ammonites, okay, are coming at them with a huge army. And they are threatening to overrun Israel. Vastly outnumbered. Now before I go on, let me just pray. Father, I thank you, Lord. For this opportunity, O oh God, even to speak your word, O oh God, and I pray, Lord, even as your word is given forth, that God you shall accomplish your purpose today. Father, Lord, bring us closer to you through your word as I ask for your blessing over the message today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, however, in the midst, we're saying that, you know, Jehoshaphat was faced with a vast army that's coming at them threatening to overrun them. But in the midst of this situation, this threatening situation and circumstances, we're going to look at the way Jehoshaphat responded. And that's why this is the focus of my message today, which is the power of worship. The power of worship. Not the power of battling or warring or, or fighting a spiritual warfare, but the power of worship. And what is it going to do with worship when you talk about a battle like this that's going to happen? What has got worship got to do with it? Let's read and then we will see what is happening. Now let's look at verses 1 to 13 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So they are facing this big army and so this is what happened. Um, in verse 2, Jehoshaphat said, you know, it was told that a vast army is coming against them. And uh, so, verse 4, verse 3, uh, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and then the people came together, all right, came together to seek help from the Lord uh, and, and um, from every town. And then in verse 5, we see that Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly at the at temple of the Lord. Okay, in front of the courtyard and said, in verses, uh, verses 6 onwards, uh, I'm not going to read everything, right? you can read for yourself. So he inquired of the Lord, but what he did was, he basically focused on who God is. Right, saying something like, Lord, are you not the, the God of who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms and the power and might are in your hand. And no one can withstand you. So basically he gave you know, God the acknowledgement of who God is. Uh, how powerful God is. How mighty God is. And, and he, he reminded, as if God needs to be reminded, that God, did you not drive out, uh, drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel? And so he goes and says, now they are coming at us. 
You have given us this inheritance, but now this army, they are coming at us. And actually in the past, you asked us to bypass them, gave them some chance. But now these are the very armies that are coming against us now. Right? So God, will you not judge them? You know, verse 12. And so, and, and, and that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. Verse 12, at the end of verse 12, take note of this. Jehoshaphat says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. So they call on the Lord. They acclaim God's lordship and rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. Essentially, they are worshipping God for who it is. Isn't it? Faced with a great army that's coming at them, they should be thinking about strategies, what to do, how to, you know, how to uh, uh, assign those people, you know, where to, how to battle, the kind of thing, what weapons to use, the kind of thing. But instead of doing that, they worship God. They worship God. And so because of what they did, in verses 14 to 17, you see the response from God. Wow. As the, after they worshiped God, God responded. God answered their prayers, their worship. And so the Spirit of the Lord came. The Spirit of the Lord came and said this. Listen. King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. And go on to tell you, know, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged for the, in verse, I like this, verse uh, uh, 15. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is yours? No. For the battle is not yours, but whose? The Lord's. Wow. God responded and said, you don't have to fight this battle. Why? Because I will fight for you. I will fight this battle for you. So tomorrow, you can march down against them. They'll be climbing up and all that. But you, verse 17, you will not have to fight this battle. Just take your positions. Stand firm. Stand firm and see, and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord said in response to their worship. And then in verses 18 to 19, this is what Jehovah's, uh, Jehoshaphat's response to the Lord after hearing what God had to say to them. In verses 18 to 19, it's up on the screen, and it says this, Jehoshaphat, in response, bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship to before the Lord. And then some Levites from the Kohatites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. In that two verses, there are just two postures of worship that is presented to you. One is about bowing down in worship. One is about standing up and praise, not with a soft voice, but with a loud voice. Two postures already there for you. Yeah, and so this is response. In response to what God promised them, Jehoshaphat fell, the whole of Israel fell down in worship and in praise. And then in verses 20 to 30, that's the result, the end result. What happened was, as they set up for battle, okay, so God really took up the promise to fight for them. They left, in verse 20, he said, they left for the desert, they stood and said, listen to me, Judah and all that, have faith in the Lord God, and you will be upheld, have faith, have faith. All right, and so, and in verses 21, all right, I listed that for you in the screen, and after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness 
as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. You're going to march out of the vast army, a vast army that totally outnumber you. And what would you do? What, do you, what would you do? Send out your best soldiers, the most trained, the most skillful. Take the, you know, the, the forefront, the better front, so that you know, they can strike the first, first strike you know, and win confidence for the rest of the army. But what Jehovah Shaphat did? He sent his worship team. He sent his worship team to the front. Now, this is something which I think, you know, I feel the worship team needs to understand this very clearly. The important role that you play in a spiritual work like this. Know that Jehoshaphat sent his worship team out in the front to praise God, you know, and, 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 and to praise with splendor and all that, the kind of thing, and, and to give thanks to the Lord. Because you stand, you know, as a worship team, you stand there in, in a very important position to usher in the work of God in our midst. And that's why the spiritual prayer preparation and all that is so crucial about bringing about the victories, you know, the flow of the Spirit, the glory of God, you know, the Holy Spirit's work and all that. So it's very important. You know, many, many preachers that come, you know, in the former church, they say, come your worship team made it easy for me to preach. Do you understand that? Because you really prepared the whole atmosphere. So when I come back, you know, and today the worship team really made it easier for me to preach. That's how important the worship team is. Don't take your work lightly. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't really care, but I know you maybe, the worship team will talk about excellence and all that. I believe that, you know. But I don't really care whether you can play well or don't sing well or whatever. I don't really am that bothered. Because once you are anointed, God uses whatever you have and to, to do His work. It all comes in. It's all about it. What's important is about the Spirit. The Spirit. You know, in my former church, uh, there used to be one, uh, she has cerebral palsy. Okay? She has cerebral palsy. So, can't really speak, right? And so she would be coming into the service, and in fact, there was two, two of them like that. And so they would come to the service, and then they will worship God in their so-called groanings. They can't really vocalize, but they were saying, ah, you know, in their way, the kind of thing. Some people may find it very disturbing, but I find it so beautiful. Why? Because out of their heart, you know, they are worshipping God in their own ways. You know, who are we to judge their worship? And so beautiful. And so, I don't care whether you can sing well or you have a good voice or don't have a good voice, whether you can play the guitar well or not. Of course, you will strive for excellence. But God used whatever it is to... Bring, him, bring in his work of the Holy Spirit. And that's going to be very powerful. You know, and so, worship him. Important role. Critical, crucial role that you play. Right? To usher in the, the, the glory of God, the work of the Holy Spirit. Right? Alright, let's move on. So, all, you can, all of us can tell what Jehoshaphat did was no military strategy at all. Right, but when you consider that, when you have the Lord God as your supreme commander, it all makes sense, isn't it? It all makes sense. Who is the supreme commander of the army? God Himself. And so, use the strategy of worship, all right, and so that it makes sense. And so, and that is not all. After the battle was over, they only, go, they only need to go there and take all the plunder, everything, and go home. They don't have to fight. They don't have to leave a single weapon. You know? And the only weapon they used was worship. Okay? And they went back home. And not only when they, after they went back home, they went back to rest. But no, they went straight to the temple. Went straight to the temple to continue to praise and worship the Lord. Verse 28 tells us that. And then in verse 20, verses 29 to 30, 
what happened is that peace finally came upon the land of Israel. Why? Because the fear of the Lord has set upon the enemies of Israel. Because of the working of God, that they will put so much fear upon his enemies so they dare not touch Israel. Church, Jehoshaphat and his army went to the valley of Baraka. The, right, the, the valley was named as Baraka to fight their enemies. But that valley became the valley of praise. They went to the valley to fight, but end up the valley become the valley of praise. You know, so it's time. It's time for your own valley of battles in your life to become and to be turned into the valley of praise. Would you believe it? Valley of praise. Valley of worship. You know, we are in this, uh, what you call it, intentional disciple-making uh, church. And talk about create, we are created to connect. And then this is about creating to be created to be connected to God, connected with God. And there's no better way to be connected to God than worship Him. There's no other way for us to be connected to God, of course, for His Word and all that, but to worship Him. To worship Him. And when you are connected to God, there is a power of worship that will bring about victory in your life, whatever circumstances, whatever struggles, whatever difficulties that you are going through. All of us can do with victories. All of us want victories. And the good news is, all of us can have victories. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you believe it that in your life right now, you can have victories over whatever circumstances, whatever struggle, whatever challenges you're going through right now? Of course, the question is, how? Of course, and the answer lies in the power of worship. The power of worship. But we're talking about worship, we need to remember our position in God. Who are we in God? What's our position? Let me just briefly run you through now, first of all, you've got to remember that you are sons and daughters of God. You have this new relationship in God. And you can call on God as your Abba Father. So intimate. Abba Father. Not just God, Jehovah God, Almighty God, you know, and all that. But Abba Father. You're calling out to God as your Father. Who else in this world has the privilege of calling God as the Father? I said, we who are believers, believers in Christ, only we have the privilege of calling God as our Father. So you are sons and daughters. And Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 17, we're not going to go through that. You can go back and read for yourself. And talk about this life through the Spirit. This life, the Holy Spirit coming about our life that brought about that connection. Okay, so it's the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives that brought about this connection with God. Only through the life in the Spirit that we can have this connection with God. Otherwise, it's not possible at all. Right? And Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39 reminds us this. Nothing, nothing can separate us from God. Hallelujah. Nothing can separate us from God. Nothing. Because you are sons and daughters, because you can call upon Abba Father, because you have this connection to life in the Spirit, nothing can separate you from God. And that's why of our position, John chapter 4 verse 23 reminds us that worshippers are sought by God. And so our position in Christ qualifies us to be the worshippers, the very worshippers that God is seeking for. Because you are sons and daughters. Because of your life in the Spirit. Because nothing can separate you from God. And that's why God is seeking out for worshippers. And you are the worshippers that God is seeking for. And if you don't worship, what are you to do? Yeah? 
God is seeking for you, seeking after you to worship Him. If you don't worship, what are you doing? Right? So, now that we are certain of who we are in God, it's time to answer the question how to have victory in our lives through the power of worship. And at the very foundation of it all is the need to build a lifestyle of worship. Build a lifestyle of worship. We are created to be connected to God. So we talk about connection, worship, you know, and worship must be a lifestyle. This guy by the name of Francis Frangipane, I think I pronounce it, hopefully correctly, makes it clear that worship is a lifestyle. There must be a willingness to worship, even in the midst of great battles. He said this, true worship must emerge now in the context of our daily lives. For no man will worship to the great battles of tomorrow who complains in the mere skirmishes of today. If in the mere skirmishes of today, you don't worship God, and then you complain, ah, I'm going through this, and all this complaining spirit that's going on. You don't learn to worship God in the midst of all these small matters, challenges. How are you going to face the great battles of tomorrow? But you don't learn to worship God in the mere skirmishes of today. And to build a lifestyle of worship is to be empowered outside of church. In our own daily lives, 24-7, Monday to Sunday, you don't worship God only in church. Right? I hope not. God wants to use the power of worship in us. Not just the songs, not just the music, but the power of worship in us. And that, 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 that requires us to be empowered in worship as a lifestyle. Not just when you come to church, I sing a few songs, you know, and it's only four songs, three songs, and then that's it, you know. But God wants to use the power of worship outside of church in our daily lives, 24-7, Monday to Sunday. So what happens to you in the pews on Sunday morning? Are you empowered? Or when Monday comes, you know, you, you just go back to an ordinary week, the same week, uh, pressure-filled week or challenges-filled week, stressful week, whatever it is. You just go and then you, you just go by Friday, you kind of like, wow, no more battery already. Battery needs to be recharged. And then you come to Sunday, you come to recharge, you know. So church becomes like a charging station. Hey, we're not talking about electric vehicles, you know. <laughs> it comes to be recharged and then, oh, until then, the battery runs low. Sunday, charge again. And then it goes again, 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 the kind of thing. But God wants people to be able to bring their worship into their daily lives away from church so that the kingdom of God is a vehicle. Kingdom of God is a vehicle for you to establish God's sovereignty, God's power, and all that. So you must not see worship as something done in addition to your daily jobs, responsibilities. We are all worshippers, regardless of who or what role we play in society. We are worshippers first, and then whoever we are in our roles in society. And therefore, you are governed by the heart of God and the will of God in your life and on this earth. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what you do on earth has to have some kind of translation in heaven. You know, so what you do on earth, something will have happened in heaven. So it's very important to know, understand that worship, therefore, ought to be a lifestyle in your earthly life here on earth. Amen? All right? And so that's why once you build a lifestyle of worship, then you'll be able to 
harness the power of worship or engage the power of worship. You must remember this, that worship is the platform for God to work. Worship is a platform for God to work. You know, how many people do you know in this world that can do impossible things? Anyone? You know someone in your life that can do impossible things? Anyone? No? Huh? God's people can do. I like that faith. <laughs> yeah, that's what Jesus said. With men, this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. And that's why it's possible for us because we are God's people, as he said. Yeah? Not, nothing is impossible with God. Of course, worship is not a magic wand, you know, like something, you know, that you strike, you know, magical happens, that kind of thing. But there is power in an environment where we are singing songs, they are dense, that's heavy with what is true, what is right, and what is lovely. There's power in the kind of environment. And, and, and it's clear that when many of us are meaning those songs from the heart, and as we sing them, there's power in being in such a room. When everyone's been singing, we're not just singing this because of the lyrics. It's nice, whatever it is. But when we mean it from our hearts, and everybody is singing like that, oh, there's going to be a power in the room. And power that's supernatural. And one of the gifts of the worship in a local church community is that when we are participating with the Spirit of God in singing, in seeing impossible changes happen in people's lives. And so when the Holy Spirit is active, with the Holy Spirit active in our lives, that is a recipe for impossible things to happen in our lives, church. Holy Spirit active in our lives. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Amen. So what the power of worship can do? First of all, it can break spiritual bondages. Break spiritual bondages. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 23. What we see that when the Spirit of God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play with his hand, and then Saul would be refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. All that David needed to do is play the harp. And it broke the spiritual bondage over Saul's life. It can bring spirit, it can bring victories and deliverance. It can bring victories and deliverance. We saw it in Second Chronicles, right? Twenty. One of the, the victories that gave, you know, uh, that was given to Jehoshaphat. Then in Acts sixteen. Remember Acts 16, what happens was Paul or Silas was in prison. And what they did? Worship. They had a worship service in prison, in the prison cell. And what happened after that? You remember the story, Acts 16? Yeah? Earthquake came, man. And earthquake came, shook the whole prison. And what happened is that the foundation of the world was shaken, and then as a result, all the prison doors was open and their chains were all broken, released just by worship. Victories, deliverance in your life just by worship. Thirdly, it can uplift the defeated spirit. Isaiah 61 verse 3. How? Oh, about to give them beauty for ashes. Oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Praise, worship can do all that. When we praise God, we break the defeated spirit. And that is why David constantly sung to God whenever he was in great trouble. Fourthly, he can quicken the prophetic word. 
Second Kings 3.15. And we, we saw that, right? In Second Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat, when they worshipped, why? The Spirit of God came upon the prophet, and the prophet delivered the word of God, quickening the prophetic word. But in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15, But now, bring me a musician. It says, Now bring me a musician. And it happened when the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, Thus say the Lord. Bring me a musician. Musician, the worship thing, you are minstrels. Minstrels of worship, they usher in the prophetic that activates the prophetic, that gives the flow, the environment for the prophetic to work. That's how, you know, how crucial the, the work of music, you know. And so Elijah's prophecy flowed when the music started. You know, you know how important music is in, in our lives today? And that's why, that's why the devil is using worship to corrupt the world. Do you know that? Music is supposed to be uh, beautiful, good, pure. But the devil knows that the, how, how, how powerful music is to be able to reach down into our deep soul, in you know, our spirit, in our subconscious even. And so he will, you know, uh, defile music. Music basically is created by God, I believe. And so he will defile music and turn it in a way that will corrupt our spirit, corrupt our, our soul with all kinds of, 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 of corrupted music, lyrics. That's how powerful music is. And many of us don't, don't realize, you know, how corrupted music is nowadays. And we just listen, listen, taking it all in. All those words, all those sounds. And lastly, worship bring down the glory of God. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 to 14. This is a very powerful passage, you know, that I love to read again and again and again. The trumpeters and the musicians, again, come down to the worship team, join in unison, that's unity, unity, unison, to give praise and thanks to the Lord. And they are accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. <laughs> just tell you, just sidetrack a little bit. Talking about trumpets and all that. My former church, we have shofars. You know what is shofars? Yeah, it's a kind of a ram horn that they use and they blow sounds. Now, those shofars, they really don't have beats to cut out whatever it is. So, <laughs> I really drove my worship team to, uh, to nuts, you know. When I say, shofars, blow. I have a place for you, for you to, you know, to blow in the worship team. And then when they blow, they will blow. <laughs> and the worship team will be so frustrated because it's out of... It doesn't click on with the team, with the key, whatever the worship is leading. It's so kind of like, they kind of tahan. <laughs> but I see that there's a, there's a role, you know, for them to blow because it's all about, uh, there's something spiritual about it, okay? Something spiritual we see in the Old Testament. And here they talk about trumpets, cymbals, and, 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 and other instruments, all right? So all this come together, and then the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, His love endures forever. And then, the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. Filled with the cloud. Just, you know, beginning, Pastor Francis prayed. They were filled with the cloud. And then, the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. How I wish it would happen here, you know. Then I, cannot, I, I don't have to preach anymore. <laughs> the cloud come, you know, so I finished my job. <laughs> then the cloud come, the priest could not, could not perform their service. Why? Because of the cloud. Why? Because the glory of God filled the temple of God. And all this came about, why? Because of the worship. 
didn't came about because of the, the message, the sermon. But it came about because of the worship. So how powerful that is, the power of worship. And then when the temple was completed, the worship began with all kinds of musical instruments. God's glory came down and the priest just could not stand in the presence of God. And how I wish this happens here. We all cannot stand when the presence of God comes upon us. You know, we just have to fall down and worship. Whew. I don't know about you, I'm getting very, very warm here, you know. Not because of my jacket, but I just believe something is going to happen today. Something is going to happen today. And anyway, this is the last one. It attracts the presence of God. How powerful worship is, it attracts the presence of God. Worship attracts the presence of God. Why? Because God is seeking out for worshipers. And when he found worshipers, guess what? He appears. He appears, he comes, because he's looking for worshipers. So when we worship, he comes, he attracts him. So God desire, deeply desires a personal relationship with each one of us. And he's at work around us all the times. And just as God walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, so he desired the same fellowship to communicate with each of us. And God has promised in Psalms 22 verse 3 to inhabit the praises of his people. God inhabits the praises of his people. He dwells in the praises of his people, not in the house, not in the sanctuary, in the building. When there's a sanctuary, when there's no praise, there's no worship, God will not be there. No matter how beautiful the building is. Get what I'm saying? Because God only inhabits in the praises and worship of his people. I like what uh, Pastor Shirley said last week, you know. Where when we draw closer, then we see how God, how great God is. You see God from afar, He's small. In the same way, we are only the distance of worship away from the throne and presence of God. In conclusion, Chuck Pierce said this. Whatever, it's a bit smaller. You can read it. Huh? Whatever the issue of your life is, can a worship team come here? Yeah. Whatever the issue in your life is, the key is to worship a holy God who created you and knows everything about you. Your failures, your shortcomings, your insecurities, besetting sins and fears. He sits on the throne, omniscient, and says something like this, I know your final destination, and I know how to get you from where you are now to where I want you to be. I know why I created you. If you will worship me, I will visit with you. I can tell you how to get untangled from the snares in your path and how to move forward. I can even reveal to you things to come that are pertinent in your life and world. There is power in worshipping God. If you want to see breakthroughs in your lives and the lives of others, then this is the time to enter into deeper levels of worship both personally and corporately as a church. It's only that we ascend to the throne room in worship that we can descend back into the, the harvest field here on earth, praying and warring for every victory in, our very, in every area of life. It's not effective to tell people, to simply tell people, you know, stop worrying, stop being anxious. But it is effective, let me tell you this, to tell them to start worshipping you know let me just maybe it's appropriate that I tell you some of these testimonies former church I have a lady she's in her 70s 
She's a real beautiful lady. And a evangelist. Everywhere she go, she'll share the gospel. Uh, in the buying market, standing beside her, a lady, another lady, she will share the gospel. At every opportunity, she'll share the gospel. But one fine day, she was walking outside her taman for her evening walk. And a lorry came along and banged into her and pinned her to the, another car you know, in front of her. She's in her 70s, you know, and broke her hips and a few other bones. And the daughter called me crying over the phone. And I said, God, no. No. I love this woman. I mean, I love this, this grandma. She always prayed for me, for our, our family, even until today. I'm no longer back in that church, you know, but she's still praying for us. She said, oh, she will, every, every, every week she will text me, I'm praying for you. Even today, she says she's praying for me. So I rushed to the hospital. My wife and I, we rushed to the hospital. It's a government hospital. And unless you're a family member, you cannot enter the emergency area, you know. But somehow, God just like the Red Sea, part of the Red Sea, opened the door for me, just walked in. I just walked in, nobody stopped me. Nobody stopped me. I went straight to her and she was lying there and crying out in pain. And I said, God, I don't know what to do. And I just prayed and I just worshiped God in, in, in the spirit and just do that. Let me tell you today, she's alive and well. Her injuries have all healed. She can drive. She can still be praying and she can still be evangelizing. Power of worship. Then there was another story. We were about to sleep. It's almost midnight. A call came from another daughter. I said, My father is in a coma. His blood pressure went up under the 200s. You know, and they can't do anything until his pressure comes down. So I, <laughs> we get up from, got up from our bed you know, and uh, rushed to the hospital. And again, it was a government hospital. You can't enter the emergency area. But somehow we got access. I went in straight, May and I, we went in straight and we saw the monitor, 200 plus, the blood pressure. Again, God, I don't know what to do. And so we just pray and worship in the spirit. Just begin to speak in tongues. You know, for, for, the, for the man, he's in the 60s. And literally, I'm not bluffing you, I'm not exaggerating. Literally before our very eyes, we saw the monitor, the numbers, the blood pressure number dropping, dropping and dropping and dropping. That's the power of worship. When you cannot do anything, God do the impossible. And there was another story. Young man, 30 plus. An accident, yeah, he went, I think he had an accident. And anyway, it basically when we went to see him, the, the doctor is saying, there's no more hope for him. Yeah, his, his internal injuries was, 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 was bad. And we rushed to the hospital, we went there. We couldn't enter the, the room because for his safety. So we stood outside the glass door and we looked at him and a few of us, you know, went, went with a few ladies, prayerful ladies. We went there and we just worshiped God there and then outside of the room. We looked at him, we just worship in the spirit, we just speak in tongues, you know, God. To this day, he's alive and well. Of course, there's a certain degree of brain damage and kind of thing, but he's still alive to this day. That is the power of worship. Where you do not know what to do. You just worship God. And so there's this prayer altar, best-selling prayer altar, Stormy Omarshan. She said this, We were created to worship God. I think that's us like. We were created to worship God. It's a state in which our soul finds true peace, rest and purpose. Worship must become a lifestyle. When you make worship a lifestyle, it will determine in whose image you will be formed and what you become. Sometimes praise and worship will be the only thing you do in a situation. I really felt like that so many times. Praise and worship is the only thing that I can do in that situation. 
and you will stand and praise God while the tornadoes of life swirl around you and you will see God move on your behalf and then you will understand understand the hidden power of praise and when you understand the concept it will change your life it will change your life you know church the goal of worship is not for you or anyone else to have an outstanding Sunday service it does feel good to have an outstanding service but the goal for you and I is to encounter God to encounter God you know, I want, to see, I want you to see Him and be changed. And every time you leave a service, I want you to be more like Jesus than you were when you first came into the service. It's a much better goal than to say, you know, I'm looking for an outstanding service. Because we, which sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't happen. Right? Let's pray a breakthrough of prayer, breakthrough prayer for a lifestyle of worship, you know, it's up on the screen, would you stand with me, you know, do you want breakthrough in your life, anyone, do you want breakthrough in your life, right, I want to lead you, say this prayer, okay, you can take a, a snapshot of this prayer if you want to, you know, I'm going to, let's read it together, Lord, I choose to praise and worship you today, you know how to break through the difficulties in my life. I choose not to be overwhelmed with circumstances, but instead, I choose to behold your beauty and greatness. I choose to say, blessed be your name. You are my victorious God. I will praise your name and proclaim your salvation day after day. I will declare your glory among the nations. Your marvelous needs among all people, Psalms 96, verse 1 to 3. I will sing to the Lord a new song. Next slide. Teach me to ascend to your throne room in worship and then descend back into the harvest field here on earth, praying and warring for victory in every area of life. Help me to have a lifestyle of worship, thanking you in every situation. I believe that worshipping you is the key to breakthrough in every area of my life. I believe in the power of worshipping you. I know that your truth dwells in a worshipping heart. And I offer you a sacrifice of praise right now. Blessed be the name of the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now this is what we're going to do. I already know that God is doing something. How many of you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Now, if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that means you don't know how to speak in tongues, you don't know how to worship in the Spirit. I want you to seek for the baptism in the Spirit today. Right? If you don't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, later when the worship team were to lead us, uh, Jesus, uh, when the worship team lead that song, Jesus, it is you. I want you to come to the left, right, my left. The pastors, the leaders of there to pray for you. If you have been, if you have been baptized already in the Holy Spirit, you want to see a breakthrough, you want to see a victory, you want to see something different. You want to receive power. You want to encounter God. All right, you come to this part, right side of the center.